You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that. Open your Bible once again, Hebrews chapter 4. Since a promise remains of entering God's rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Remember, we've studied this. This is talking about the children of Israel as they were going through the desert. And he says, it did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. We who have believed do enter that rest. What rest is he talking about? Verse 4, he says, he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. God rested on the seventh day from all his works. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Family, I am of the opinion that if God has set something in place for me to enjoy, I want to make sure I get to know what it is, how I expected it to work in my life, follow his instructions to see it manifest. I don't mind you, I don't want to get to heaven one day. And you know, people say, you know, I've got all these questions when I get to heaven. And then you hear someone answer say, well, when you get to heaven, all the questions will be wiped away. Uh, The one thing I don't want when I get to heaven is to find out that there was something I could have used on this earth and I didn't. Uh, There's nothing worse than struggling and battling and then finding out there was a tool that makes it really easy. Come on, how do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever done any kind of DIY or whatever? You try this and you, and you bump and you hurt your thumb and you cut your hand or whatever. And then someone says, try this too. And you go, where's this been all my life? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. So in the kingdom of God, God has designed his kingdom to work a certain way. And if there's a rest that's available, I want to experience it. Because there it says there that we have this rest available Verse 10, for he who's entered God's rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. And so we've been having a look at the concept of the Sabbath. Now, something we need to understand that ultimately Satan works. Jesus said that when the word is sown, The enemy comes immediately to steal that word. And we don't have time to study that in detail today, but you recall that there's the hard soil. That's the person that just says, oh, I don't believe. Well, the enemy doesn't mind because that seed will never take root. But what about those that do believe? Well, then he's got to bring tribulation, persecution. Do you really believe what you've heard? And if people say, yeah, no, I still, I'm going to stay with it. I'm not going to let tribulation persecution get me down. Well, then let me get you distracted with other things and get you deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things, the cares of this world. The ultimate thing is that no matter what level we are at what we're willing to receive the word, the enemy is doing everything he can continuously to get that word out of our hearts. But those that believe the word, stand in the word, confess the word, live the word, Jesus said, we'll bring forth 30, 60, 100 fold. You'll see the fruit of what God's designed the word to be. 
And so when it comes to somebody, you know, who says, I don't believe in God, that's fine. The devil's long, they'll never get to hear the word because they won't go to church. They won't hear the word. If they hear something, they're already skeptical. But what about somebody who says, I do believe. I want to go to church. I want to hear the word. I want to study. I want to know God. Well, okay, so you're studying the word, but I need to get you out of the faith of that word. So what does he do? Establishes religious ritual. That's where even Jesus said, you've heard my word. He's speaking to the religious leaders of the day. These are the people that should be speaking. It wasn't false teachers. It wasn't, you know, some false religion. These were the people that were given the custody of the word, to be stewards of the word. And he says, your traditions made my word null and void. You've taken what I've given you, but you've turned it into religious ritual and religious practice. So the power I intended for it, you've lost it. And so when we come to, it's so vitally important. That's why we're taking time, because where God's taking us in terms of great recovery, you understand that it's going to take a phenomenal move of God. Some of us need major moves of God. Isn't that right? And we kind of need water-walking faith. <laughs> But it is possible because Jesus showed it. And he said, all things that seem impossible to man is possible to God. But if I'm still at a level of me thinking there's an alternative, maybe I can do something, maybe I can fix it. You see, that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. Is God created man in his image, gave him everything he needed established him, put the tree of life right there. In other words, this man would never die. The tree of life was right there, and God said, you can freely eat of all the fruit, including the tree of life. As long as you're eating the tree of life, you'll never die. But there's one tree stay away from. What was that? The knowledge of good and evil. The moment you lean to your own understanding, then you disconnect from God. And that's what happened. That's when the curse came in. That's why the word teaches to lean not on your understanding, acknowledge God in all of your ways. And as long as there's an alternative plan, I'm trusting God, but I need to do something here. I need to visit this person. Maybe if I go to the bank manager, maybe if I go to my friend, maybe if I hint in front of the millionaire, maybe if I... Are you with me? The brain's working out different ways, but what is that? That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's trying to figure out an alternative to what God has established. And so when we talk about the Sabbath, everybody say Sabbath, it has been turned into a religious concept that sometimes confuses Christians. Like, what is the Sabbath? You know, Sabbath used to be a Saturday, and now it's a Sunday, you know. And is the Sabbath is the same Sabbath? And uh, are we supposed to be going to church on Saturday, not on Sunday? And, and there's a lot of confusion. And as long as there's confusion, the enemy can keep us from the blessing of what the Sabbath was originally for. Because it is there. You, you can't just ignore it and say, don't worry, we don't do that as Christians. No, it's very clear. Because he even brought up that God rested on the seventh day. So, and he's explaining that in terms of faith. The whole of Hebrews is gearing towards without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what is it that we need to know about the Sabbath? And so we've been having a look at it, and we saw how all the way before God ever established the law of Moses, 
God was already dealing with his family as a nation. We saw Abraham and the faith that Abraham has. We saw how Isaac trusted God when he said, stay in Gerar. And he knew when he watched his father Abraham, how he trusted God. He said, he'll do the same. And he saw God move powerfully in his life when he didn't have to try and figure out how to do things in his own strength. Just trust and obey God, which leads us to Jacob, who also saw the principle of saying, if I trust God, everything he gives me, I'll always honor him first. So the vow of Jacob. And then, of course, we went on to see how Joseph, even when he had been given a promise from God, even though everything seemed to be going the wrong direction, his brothers hated him, wanted to kill him, sold him off to slave traders. They sold him to Potiphar. He was falsely accused by his wife and then put in prison by the man that used to trust him. And then in prison, he answers his, fr his friend's uh, dream. And then when he's promoted, he says, remember me. His friend forgets him two years later. You know, it's like uh, everything seems like it's going against God's plan. But because he never doubted, he never heard any animosity come out of him, totally trusted God, trusted the process, he saw the, the vision manifest. And so it's important to take some time to establish where this concept of the Sabbath came from. And so we started having a look how once the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they were delivered with great power and God took them into the wilderness. And he told them in Exodus chapter 6, verse 2, I am the Lord, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. And by my name, Lord, remember that's yad heh vav -Hey, those four Hebrew letters, yad heh vav -Hey is whenever you see capital L and capital O and capital R and capital D in the text, that is, you know, that's the Hebrew word, which we say Jehovah. It's just an easy way by putting the vowels in there. But that's the name of God. He says, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of the pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians kept in bondage. Now listen to this. I have remembered my covenant. I have remembered my covenant. See, family, God doesn't do anything because he just feels like it. He feels good today, so now he's going to do it. He has obligated himself to covenant. That's why he even spoke in the book of Malachi when he says that you, O sons of Jacob, should be consumed. But I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, you're not consumed. In other words, God keeps himself to his word. Never allows his emotions to determine what he does next. And this covenant, if he's, say, he's saying to them, if you will trust my covenant, you're going to see what I've said will happen in your life. And so, as you know, they were delivered. They went through the wilderness. And then God says in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they walk in my law or not. And it shall be the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Now, it's interesting that God would say, I will test them whether they will walk in my law or not. If you go and study it out chronologically, they haven't yet got to Mount Sinai. 
They haven't got any Ten Commandments yet. They haven't got any written laws yet. What's God saying? There is a law. Everybody say law. See, sometimes we talk about the laws of God. No, there's one law. There is one law of God. Notice he said, I will test if you walk in my law. Then that law shows up as subsections. And you will see different laws. That's why when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know what the laws, the law says. And he names some of them and says, I've kept them all. Uh, he says, yes, but one thing you lack. You must understand that with God, it's not like you, 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 you pass, your pass rate is 30% or, or 50% or 90% or 99%. Then you're a really good Christian. You break one of the subsets, you've broken the law. Do you see that? It's the law. This is how the kingdom works. And if you violate one of those principles, it's not going to work. So what's God talking about? He's not talking about statutes here. He's not talking about different articles of law. He's not talking about thou shalt and thou shalt not. He's talking about a system. I, if you understand, when I give you an instruction, it's for your good. Are you going to trust me? That's what he's, he's seeing here. Are you prepared to believe if I give you an instruction that doesn't make sense, but you trust me? Let's see if you can keep what I tell you to do. And you know what happened is that every morning they woke up, God said every day you're going to wake up and there'll be manna lying on the floor and everyone go and gather an omer, one omer. That's like two liters or two kilograms of this, this manna, which is like a bread, a wafer. And, but he said, if you, if you take too much or too little, you'll still have what you need for that day. But whatever you try to keep for the next day will have worms in it. It'll rot. It'll ferment. And of course, there were people that tried to keep some extra. And what happened? They woke up. The next day, it was fermented. It had worms in it. You see in Exodus chapter 16, verse 23, God said to them, this is what the Lord has said, tomorrow there's a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Now this is the first time you hear the word Sabbath. And it's not under the law. The Ten Commandments. Yet. This is God establishing a principle. Everybody say a principle. It says, tomorrow is a Sabbath, a holy Sabbath. Bake what you will bake today, boil what you will boil, and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid up till the morning as Moses commanded. It will not stink, nor were there any worms in it. And he says, eat today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you gather. On the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. What's he saying? Is that for six days you gather, eat. Next day you gather, eat. But on the sixth day, gather twice as much. Yeah, but the last time we did that, it stank. Trust me. Because tomorrow, I want to show you a principle. 
Watch what happens when you obey me. So they gathered twice as much. And the whole of the next day, how much work did they put in? And yet they ate from their previous harvest. Come on, you getting this? That manna lasted that whole day. And they could eat and just relax and rest. And because God had provided for them, they lacked nothing. And the Bible says in verse 30, so the people rested on the seventh day. Everybody say rested. And then in Exodus chapter 20, we see there the law is now brought in and God lists various laws, you know, that there will only be one God and trust him and thou shalt not murder. And he goes through all these various things and he gets down to verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Everybody say holy. Verse 11, in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the seven and, and the sea, and that is in them. And he rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed. Now, family of God, you understand with us as humans in human bodies, there is a principle that we do need to rest. It's vitally important. God instructs us. Like when you go through the dietary laws of Israel, it wasn't because God just had a problem with these animals. You know, he likes these animals, so eat them, but these animals don't. In that, that particular environment, the way the animals were kept, if you ate these animals, it would cause health complications in your body. And so they didn't know that. They didn't have the science to understand these things. And so God established it as laws to protect them the way they eat. And so the same way, the body, you, if, if you work seven days a week, nonstop, late hours, double job, you know the body eventually is going to burn out. So it is vitally important that we do rest physically. But you know when God rested, it wasn't because he was tired. And this is a rest he's talking about. So you, you can combine the two. He will use a principle to protect you physically. But be very cautious that we don't take that and turn that into a religious ritual. Because when God rested, it wasn't because he was doing it out of religious obligation. Why did he rest? Because he was finished. There was nothing more to do. Once he had spoken light into being, he would never have to go and check up if it's still working. God never had to rewrite the law or say it again and say, now nah, light, keep going. No, once he said light be, light has now consistently stayed in place. When God created the very first tree to produce after its own kind, he doesn't have to physically get down off his throne every time someone plants a seed and come and start it. It's built into the system. When God said, tree, multiply after your own kind, he never has to address that again. So once he addressed it, he never had to address it again. Well, there's nothing more to do. So he rested. Why? The system's set up to work. I don't have to be there to... Keep it in perpetual motion. It, it's upheld by the word of his power. And that's what Jesus was demonstrating when he came to the earth. He would speak once. He spoke to the tree once. Never dressed it again. And they were shocked the next day that the tree had listened to him. And he said, have faith in God. 
So we understand that when God rested, this is what he's working towards here. So when he gives these instructions and he passes these as principles, he's taking us to a place where we can enjoy the fullness of his kingdom. So what was the purpose of the Sabbath to the children of Israel? We need to understand that, otherwise we get back into religious ritual. Why? The purpose for something. What was the purpose of the Sabbath? To keep them religious? No, the Bible tells us very clearly in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, he says, Remember, you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, so he just described their deliverance. And he says, because of that, Remember, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. In other words, when they took time to rest, they could reflect back on the... Do you remember the mess we came out of? Instead of moaning and complaining about not having enough food and not having water and whatever, it was a moment where they could take an opportunity and say, Guys, listen... Look where we came from. We, we had nothing, and yeah, we're sitting with food in our hands. We didn't even work for it today. You're remembering a God that delivered you. It's a time to reflect. It's a time to honor. It's a time to thank God for His kindness and His goodness. And then God expands on that principle, and He introduces the concept of jubilee, where, remember, He said, you work a field six years. And the seventh year will be a Sabbath rest. Now, that immediately takes Sabbath outside the concept of being one day. Because it was six years, and the whole seventh year shall be a Sabbath. What's he talking about? A rest. Not a religious day. And then he went further, and he said, right, now you take those seven, and you do that seven times. Then on the 50th year, so now the back end of seven, that's already one year of rest. Now you're going to go into a second year of rest. And that's your year of jubilee. And in the year of jubilee, the acceptable year of the Lord, everything that you ever lost, gave away, got into debt over, sold yourself as a slave, whatever, you are set free. Any property you gave away comes back to you. Everything reset on that jubilee year. Hallelujah. And then remember Luke chapter 4. Jesus came to Nazareth, verse 16. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Yeah, we see resetting taking place. He sent me to... Heal the brokenhearted. What was broken, restored. To proclaim liberty to the captives. You were in bondage, now you're free. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those that are oppressed. To proclaim, this is the jubilee year, The acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the tent and sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say, today the scripture is fulfilled. Fulfilled. You don't have to wait another 50 years for Jubilee. I'm here now. 
You, you're in bondage. And it's year 30, you sell yourself off as a slave. You're going to have to work 20 years. Jesus says, no, I've given you now the freedom to walk out of that today. I am now your jubilee. I am that Sabbath year. So it's no longer a day. It's a person. Hallelujah. Say that Jesus is my Sabbath. Now, we have to confirm that from the Word, don't we? You know I'm going to do that. High preaching isn't enough. You have to have Scripture. So Jesus is our freedom. No matter what you're in bondage to, no matter what might have stolen from you, no matter what has happened, you don't have to wait for the Jewish year of Jubilee. Jesus is now here. He said it's fulfilled. You just claim it right now. Today is my Jubilee. Hallelujah. Come and have a look at Galatians chapter 3. It's important to understand why the law is there. Because if we don't, the enemy will hold us in bondage to it. Have you ever felt really guilty? You did something that you know broke God's law. And it took you five or six days just to get back into God's presence. Come on, how many you ever been there? <laughs> Some of us may still be struggling with that. I don't know, oh God, you know, I have to come confess. I remember the very first time it happened to me. I was a young Christian. I did something, and you know what it's like. You know you shouldn't before you do it, and while you're doing it, you know you shouldn't. When you're done, then you know, what were you thinking? Supposed to be a Christian. So now I must go confess. And I went up before God, and I was like, God, I, I need to talk to you something. <laughs> Um, how do I put this? Okay, I, uh, I was over here, and um, well, you know, you know what it's like. I'm just human, and, uh, and, uh, and, and I, was, I was really struggling to get it off my lips, because you, 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 know, you, you know you shouldn't have done that. How do you even say it? And eventually God spoke up. He says, what are you trying to do? I said, I'm trying to confess you. He says, son. I was there when you did it. Really? <laughs> like you're going to go, you're going to tell God, God, I did this and then you go, what? You? No. Alan, no, no, come on. I don't believe that. No, no you know, you know, that's not going to happen. He saw it go down. So stop being, don't feel even guilty about it. He says, when you confess, he'll even forgive you of the guilt of that thing. Just put it on the table. Lord, I messed up. Yeah, boom. This is what I did. That, that, that. You saw it. And so I'm confessing. And he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of that unrighteousness. He cleanses you of the unrighteousness. He forgives the sin. He forgives the guilt. And you walk away free. And then he says he doesn't even remember that sin. You go back to him five minutes later and say, Father, I'm feeling so bad. He says, about what? Hello? The only one person beating yourself up now is you. And the devil whispering in your ear, telling, excuse me, lawyer, go talk, I have an advocate. Don't talk to me anymore. You want to talk? You talk through my lawyer. Goodbye. Because my judge has declared me free. So the enemy will hold us in bondage to the law, but yet we can't deny the law is there. Uh, thou shalt not murder. 
is still thou shalt not murder. Isn't that right? Now we're free now. We're no longer under grace. We can just go and sort someone out and God's already forgiven me. No, you know that's not, it's not going to happen. But have you noticed since you're Christian, you don't want to murder? No one has to tell you that. Isn't that right? So the fact is the law hasn't passed away. It's still a principle. But look at chapter 3, verse 19. What purpose then does the law serve? See, if we use the laws to try and prove to God how good we are, we back into works of the flesh when we're supposed to be resting. So now I'm working all these laws and I'm checking every day that I haven't broken any of them and I've got to go do a checklist. Oh, yes, when I have broken. That's not the purpose of it. So what is the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions. Why? God said to them, let me see if you obey my law. Here's what you need to do. And he gives them a principle of living six days by their labor of their hand, but then on the seventh day, trust me. And what happened? They violated that. They chose not to do that. Now, how many you recognize that sin isn't just being evil, bad, and ugly, and nasty, and horrible. It's when God has said something, and we don't obey it. In fact, the word goes so far as to say, even when God tells us what to do, and we don't do it, that's a sin. It's not just doing things that are wrong. It's also knowing what to do and not doing it. So because they demonstrated that they were not able to trust God, he then brings the law in as a document. It was added because of transgressions. Why? Until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Who's the seed? That's Jesus. I want you to believe me. They demonstrated they're not able to. Now they weren't able to because it wasn't driven from within. Like I said, how many of you are born again? Now, if you're born again, do you not, not, you, you not, not murder? Do you not murder? Do you not murder because you're afraid you'll be caught out and have to go to jail for the rest of your life? Or is it because you really don't want to? But you didn't know that before you were saved. So before you're saved, you have to make people afraid of murder. That's why when they had capital punishment, you know, if you, if you murdered someone, you would be executed. So why, is, why was that the punishment? Because it makes you afraid to murder. Should. But they found out that also didn't work. Why? Because it's the flesh. Are you with me? So because of the transgression, the law was put in place. Why? Until the seed came in. So God gives the laws because he knows Jesus is coming. And it was appointed through the angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. What's he talking about? 
A mediator means he works between two people. It's not just God. It's between God and us. So this law is a mediator. It stands between us and God. And he says here, is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. We're not doing away with the law. For if there had been a law given which would, could have given life, truly righteousness would have been given by the law. Now, what's he saying there? If the law made everything correct, in other words, they weren't obeying God in the, God, uh, uh, in the wilderness, God introduces them to the written law, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor, thou shalt not, are you with me? Now, that made them, if you just kept those, it made you righteous, well, then Jesus wouldn't have that to come. No, it was keeping us until Jesus came. Verse 22. But the scripture has confined all under sin. Remember I said one law. That the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Therefore, faith came. And we were kept under God by the law, kept for the faith, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, listen to this now. Here it is. The law was our tutor. What's a tutor? A teacher, a coach. The law was a tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. After faith has come, we no longer under a tutor. Hallelujah. What's that saying? It's saying until a person is born again, they don't know what the principles are. We think it's okay. If someone upsets us, smack him. Someone takes something that I, that I want, I can take it back. If I see someone else has got something and I can't afford to buy it, well, let me just take theirs. As long as they don't find out. Finders keepers, losers weepers. Come on. We've got all these things of the flesh, but I didn't know that sin. So the children of Israel, God introduces them to him as their Yadavaveh, the their God of covenant. I will provide for you. I will protect for you. And if you can start looking at the Ten Commandments instead of ten rules, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, when you're born again, the thou shalt not falls away. You don't need the tutor anymore. Because when God starts with the very first one, I am the Lord your God, you have no need of other gods. Not thou shalt not have other gods. When you find out who I am, you won't want another God. Because once you discover who I am, you won't want another wife. You won't want to kill anyone. You won't want to steal. You will want to take this rest that I've given you. Why? The tutor brought us to faith. We, we had to know 
That's why this whole concept around tithing, is it under the law or not? Should Christian be tithing? It wasn't supposed to be, thou shalt tithe, if thou dost not thou shalt be cursed. That's not what it is. It's a misunderstanding. And to say it's just done away with, no. God introduced that to encourage them. He wanted to bless them. He wanted to look after, protect them. But they, weren't, they didn't understand generosity. Abraham did. He was very generous. Isaac was. Jacob was. They all lived generous lives. But these guys in the desert, they've been slaves. Just hang on to everything. Get something. Keep it. Get something. Keep it. Get something. Keep it. God says, no, no. I've got to break you out of that. Be generous. Okay, yes, 10 rand. No! That's not generous. How many of you felt you know, when you first went to church, you found the, the, the loose change and you felt... And when you upgraded to the rhinoceros, now, now, now you're generous. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You really felt now, you really... Until someone said, that's not generosity. The measure you use. So God says, you want to understand generosity? Let me start you. Yes, 10%. So what's that doing? It's saying, oh, that's your standard of measure. But once you're born again, no one has to tell me 10% because I've bypassed that now. I'm not trying to argue to get to less. Hello, should we tithe? Give me a break. We go way over that every month. been times I've given my whole paycheck away. There's no law for that. Why? Because it's Christ in me. I love Him. I live by His grace. He leads me. He instructs me. Amen? What do I do in this situation? I'm trusting Him. Let Him tell me. And then I obey Him. He says, now today, don't do anything. Okay, today's Sabbath. But it's a Wednesday. Ah, oh, but I'm Sabbathing. It's not waiting for Saturday. God says, I don't want you to do anything today. I've got to go work. I've got to hand. No. I want you to watch me at work. Take your hands off, step back. Okay? And then I enter my Sabbath. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen? Is this helping? I'm going to show you this from the Scripture, but I'll, we'll study it next. But nowhere you see God saying that Sabbath is the day you go to church on. I'll show that to you next time. Amen. Now, there were feasts that were introduced. They went to synagogue for those feasts, and some of them were on Sabbath. But worshiping God is something we do every day, not just in a building. You're getting this. The point I'm making is Jesus is now your Sabbath. Hallelujah. That's what Sabbath means. It means that day of rest. But they didn't understand the principle, so God marked it with a day. So even if they didn't want to rest, today is Saturday, so we have to. The law kept them. So they were practicing resting, practicing resting. And the law kept them in that place. So God could at least introduce the principle. But once Jesus came, the tutor steps aside. Now you live a life where you understand the principle of resting when God says it's time to rest. 
Did you get something this morning? Come on, let's give Jesus praise. Let's stand together. Place your hand on your heart and say, Today I've heard the Word of God. That Word brought faith to my heart. And I am a believer, not a doubter. As a hearer of God's Word, I'm also a doer. I make a quality decision today to trust my Father. I'm listening for the moments He calls me to a Sabbath rest. He gives me instructions. And then, when I've done them, he says, step back, rest, watch me. And I determine to take my hands off, take my thought life away from it. I'm not going to worry anymore. I'm not going to be concerned. I'm resting. This is my Sabbath. Jesus is my Jubilee. I am free. I'm provided for, I'm rescued, I'm made whole, I am healed, I am supplied for, everything I need, I already have, so I enter a rest. He said it, I believe it, in Jesus' name, amen.